Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and this week I am joined by my typical partners in crime, MK. Hello. Hi. The Hoyden. Hello there. Hello. And guys, it is the first time. I hope you guys have your strawberry wine and feel just 17. We have a guy on the podcast for the first time ever. Hey, Paul. Hello. <laughs> um, and the reason we direct Paul onto this podcast is because in addition to our topics for this week, which will be Fresh Off the Boat, the new ABC TV series about an Asian American family, a little bit more on the new Mythbusters format, and a discussion of some interesting Legends of Zelda happenings and a quick touch on Sailor Moon, we are going to be discussing Naruto. And I think that despite all three of us ladies on the podcast having spent a disproportionate amount of our lives watching Naruto, I think, Paul, you've sacrificed more of it than most. Thank you. Be proud. Be proud, sir. So we wanted someone who is, like, slightly more expert in the topic to discuss with us and to talk about the series and how it finally ended. But circling back to our topics for the week, um, let's start with Mythbusters. MK, you said that you wanted to give a quick update on this. Yeah, so two more episodes have come out. Uh, One was an A-Team special. Yeah, Paul just looks really excited. He, like, did the best face at me. Um, the A-Team special is amazing, and it gets back to, like, really what I think the Mythbusters are supposed to be about. Like, the whole last third of the episode is them in an abandoned carpentry shop building something that will fire two-by-fours out of, like, log cannons attached to a forklift. Good. It's pretty great. Uh, it's hella fun. And then the other one they did was an episode about Fruit Ninja and whether or not you can use a samurai sword to cut fruit if someone is throwing it at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I highly recommend it. Both episodes were A+. The, the other great part of Fruit Ninja is that, in case you guys are wondering, of course Jamie decided to put his Hallmark spin on it yes. and brought out a chainsaw. And I think even better than that is that they examined first-person shooters. And I thought that that section was really cool. Oh, really? I did not like that. I loved it. I was watching it, and I was like, this is just so dude. Well, here's the thing, though. I really disliked the A-Team episode, and I hated the Fruit Ninja section. Because I feel like this is my constant problem with Mythbusters, is I really loved, like, the early format, where they were actually looking at things like urban myths and urban legends. So the closest something hues to reality the more I like it. So I think that for me, the video game scenario of like, could you actually carry all this shit in an actual combat situation is much more interesting to me than like, can Jamie and Adam who have like an engineering and special effects background build something bad shit that like throws logs. I like looked at the fruit ninja section and I was actually just like, this is just excruciatingly wasteful. Like what? there was nothing interesting determined about this. No, no, you're a hundred percent wrong. So the idea of the Doom scenario, so it's like Doom the video game, is what they're trying to replicate. They're like, can you carry all this stuff through essentially a Doom level built by a guy from the company that worked on Doom? And I'm like, sure, that idea is really interesting. But it didn't need to be like three quarters of the episode. It needed to be like half or less of the episode. They spent way too much time on it. And then at the end when they have like, is it like an actual Marine go through the course? It was an MMA fighter. An yeah. MMA fighter. I was just like, shut up and take your hideous, dumb face somewhere else. You're so, like, oh, I hated it. 
I don't know. I thought it was hella fun. I thought that was way more interesting than like the fruit ninja stuff. I so we will to have c- to agree to disagree. I guess. I really wanted to cut some bananas with a samurai sword. Uh, yeah, because you like wasting food. Okay, um, next topic is going to be fresh off the boat, in case you guys are not aware. Um, as Paul said, as we were prepping for this episode, this is the first major network show about an Asian family, or an Asian American family, since Margaret Cho's, uh, All-American Girl, and that was how many years ago, Paul? Twenty. Twenty. So think about that. Wow. Um, I watched the first two episodes on demand last night when I was eating absolute garbage on my couch because I was like so emotionally destroyed by this week that I had no strength to do anything else. Um, I watched all of the commercials. I probably could have fast forwarded through them, but I like couldn't reach the remote and it still made me laugh. Um, One of the things that I find really interesting about this is this is based on a book by Eddie Huang, who is like, if you know Eddie Huang, he is not super PC. Like he's not really concerned about that. And he paints a portrait of being an Asian American kid in like the nineties. That's really interesting because there are parts of it that really resonate with me. Like um, one of the runners through the episode is like Eddie's particular problems with school. Cause you have very unique ones when you're an Asian kid. So he rolls up and a, the teacher can never get his name right. Right. Like the very first day, like you're awkward enough. And then they're stand- standing there trying to like sound out your name. And it's like, there's like a rule, right? Where you have to, you have to let them try because if you cut them off beforehand and say, just call me, you know, a white person name that everyone can pronounce, they're going to be like, no, 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 I can get this. They never do. Um, Even if they think they do and you let this hang, you have to listen to them in their atonal nasal voice, which makes your name for different other characters for the rest of your year. So you can't live like that, guys. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Um, So he has to like do the mid name correction cutoff where it's like just call me eddie which is like a moment like i feel like every asian kid in america was like solidarity fist bump together in that moment and then there his mom packs some chinese food for lunch and all the other kids make fun of him because they all have lunchables and like this i had to like i had to like lie down for a bit and like just laugh my head off because i remember so distinctly as a child like having this exact same thing where like my mom would be packing me like delicious lunch and I would just like, I really want a Lunchables. Like I know that you're packing me this like marvelous food that like as an adult, I would like choke someone for, but as a kid, what I really want right now is to eat my food out of a square cardboard box where after nuclear winter it wouldn't rot. And it's just like six crackers, uh, Capri Sun, some slices of cheese and ham. Like I wanted it so bad. Um, and my parents refused because like they don't touch on this quite as much, but like I, like my family at least was like fucking dirt poor. Um, and I think a lot of immigrant families are not as well off either. Um, so so she's like, she refuses and refuses and refuses. Eventually he drags her to the mega mart and he buys a Lunchables and takes it to school. Like my parents never caved. Like my mom was like hard goddamn core. She would definitely be having people throw their bodies at her car constantly. Um, the way that the mom on the show does. And I just have to say that, like I said this on my Twitter and I'll say it again. It wasn't until I was like 23 years old, right? Like when I was a grown ass woman and I was like no longer in the state of North Carolina, my mother couldn't see, like psychically see what I was doing at the grocery store that I bought a Lunchables and I was right. That thing's awesome. Those are great. I should have had those as a child. No, they're terrible. It's the same way I felt about all the junk food that I wasn't allowed to have as a kid. Like, 
people would like eat Twinkies and be like, oh, you've never had one? I was like, my mom doesn't let me. And like Ho-Hos and like Cheetos and all the shit that like you're supposed to grow out of as a kid. No, all of that stuff is amazing. The preservatives are delicious. I'm so happy that I'm old and I can eat whatever I want now. But um, insofar as like the show's quality, I thought it was, I thought I had a couple of laugh out loud moments like that I really, really enjoyed. There was an emotional through line that I think made sense to me. It's a little bit too tell not show, but I think that that like if you're a sitcom, it's going to be really hard to try and build in something nuanced, right? Especially if you're trying to be a comedy. But so far, I like it. And I actually like told my mom to watch it so that she could like watch the episode where the kid's mom forces them to do extra school and like see what a monster she was being to me my entire childhood. Good. Yeah. I was actually kind of wondering whether or not you were going to like it because um, something that like speaks so much to, you know, your own like background and your own experience. Like, I just, I feel like that there's always that risk that somebody is going to get it just enough wrong that it will just be like fingernails on a chalkboard. But it seems like it wasn't like that for you. You know, I know, I know that sentiment and I know that there are a lot of people who are concerned about that, but I think the way that I look at it is this. I, I feel like every family is different. And while you can, while there are some commonalities among like Asian immigrant experiences, they're not actually as similar as we think, right? There's just like, there are pieces of it that are similar. It would sort of like that line of thinking would sort of be like everyone who was like middle-class with a certain background would find watching like sitcoms, like family ties painful because it resonated too closely with their lives. You know, it's the same thing as fresh off the boat is for me. It's like, it's a sitcom. It just stars people who actually look like me and they have some places that are common, but for the most part, like I never look at it and think like, Oh God, it's too real. It's like Eddie Huang followed me around and like wrote down my story. So, I mean, or, or like if you grew up in a certain like socioeconomic class and like watched Roseanne, you still wouldn't like, there were parts of it that maybe you recognize, but you still wouldn't think that like, oh my God, they followed me around and wrote down my life story, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, I guess I'm more thinking about, um, you know, whether or not it resonates enough um, because I didn't really actually know about um, that. It, I mean, except for your Twitter, I didn't realize it was based on the book. So I wasn't really sure where they were coming from. And I just yeah. out uh, warning, some of these people did not actually speak. Um, no, they don't. That is one thing that I will have to warn people about. So this is like a pet peeve that like, I'm sure everyone who speaks like Japanese, Korean, like any foreign language that they usually find actors of that ethnicity to um, play on television. The thing is that oftentimes those actors don't actually speak the, the language they're going for fluently but they know enough of it to like sound it out and sound sort of convincing, but they're actually like English fluent and it's really obvious. And one of, and like one of my pet peeves is like, stop, just let them speak English. Like it's so tortured. Like, and the problem in this show is that, so all of the parent, like the parents, the three sons all speak English. The three sons speak obviously perfect um, Americanized English. The parents speak with, it's a Taiwanese family. So the parents speak with a Taiwanese English accent. Um, which I'm actually pretty impressed by the the adult actors because it's really difficult to nail that. And they do like a semi-convincing job. The difficulty comes in the woman who plays the grandmother, who is pretty funny, but um, she only speaks Chinese and her Chinese is really bad. Like it's really bad. It's oh. not like, 
I don't like this dialect. It's like, this is really bad. Like tonally, it's really off. You sound like a second or third year Mandarin student and it like really bugs me. And I don't know. I'm just going to have to keep watching it and see if that continues to be an issue for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So next topic, I think I'm going to defer to MK and probably Paul and Hoyden. um, And it's about Netflix and The Legend of Zelda. Right, so I saw this rumor, we don't know like how legit this is, but I have heard that Nintendo and Netflix are shopping around for somebody to write a Legend of Zelda TV show for Netflix, which like I would be really excited to watch depending on who writes it, and I mean, I don't even know if it's a cartoon, if it would be live action, like no matter what, I think I would be really happy. I really doubt Uh, it will be a cartoon. You doubt it? Yeah. I don't know. Netflix is doing a lot of new, weird stuff. It's not that hard to hire animators. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, as somebody who definitely grew up, um, watched the Legend of Zelda cartoon, and vividly remembers actually still figuring out how to tape things on a VCR that came out at like 5 in the morning, because sure, that's when that show reran sometimes. I don't want to talk about it. It just happened. Um, Good. But... Yeah, that, that just, like, that, even the suggestion just made, like, some important part of my heart, you know, contract in a vaguely painful way. So, I would be into that. Yeah. Probably. I, one of the don't things I, up. pardon? Just don't screw it up. That's yeah. all I ask. Don't screw it up. I will say, uh, Zach Gorman was tweeting about it, and he was like, hey, I heard you guys are looking for writers for that Legend of Zelda show. Uh, you should definitely hire me. Here's a sample of how I would write this. And it was like, pan into the village where, like, Link is sleeping in his bed. Link sits up. Link. And then it was just, like, ellipses. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I would definitely watch that. That's dead accurate. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's all we can say about that. But if it is true, I'm really happy. Well, if it's true and it's executed well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll Uh, have to resubscribe to Netflix. Okay, but the true and executed well thing leads well into the next topic for our opening. Uh, Sailor Moon. Okay, so this is a thing that, like, I guess people didn't notice, but uh, for a variety of reasons, I stopped watching Sailor Moon Crystal, like, several months ago, like, well before Christmas. Uh, Because it's not good. It's just not good. It's, it falls flat. The animation, like, if you've seen the thing where they did a side-by-side of, like, how it looks when it airs versus how it looks when it's released on DVD in Japan, like, it looks like they just put zero effort into getting it ready to air on TV. Like, it's garbage when it airs. It's... What do you mean? Like, they go back and redo the animation? Yes. Because when it, like, airs on TV, it looks like bad fan art half the time. Like, people's faces are not faces. Like, and I know I'm not a good judge of that, but, like, it's wrong. Everything is wrong. It does not look good. Sometimes you see people standing, it'll be like Sailor Mars is standing behind Sailor Moon, and they only drew Sailor Moon. And when you look at Sailor Mars, it's like, meh, this is, like, the shape of one of the senshi. Like, they <laughs> vaguely colored it. Like, it's terrible. Oh, I stopped watching it for the first six episodes, not out of any particular... Not for any particular reason, but I just sort of lost track of it, and then it did never seem like a thing that I absolutely needed to pick up again, so... Yeah, it's yeah. not... 
it doesn't like hook me in. It's not engaging emotionally, right? Like there's nothing keeping me watching it. When it came out, uh, Nozaki Kun was also airing, uh, but like on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I would watch them both on Crunchyroll. And Nozaki was every other week, and I would be so excited for an episode of Nozaki Kun. Paul and his girlfriend would come over, and we would just be like, holy shit, it's Nozaki Day. Like, let's watch some Nozaki. Let's watch it three times. And on the other weekend, we would be like, I guess we could watch Sailor Moon. <laughs> and we would. We would, but like, it wasn't exciting. Uh, and then I just stopped watching it. And then I was like, I haven't watched Sailor Moon in like two months. And I was like, do I care? No. I mean, the, the question that I always had about the reboot is, like, were they just doing the same stories from the original Sailor Moon? Sort of, but not really. So it's more based on the manga, except that, like, a lot of the stuff that I loved in the manga somehow still didn't get included. Which I was like, why? If you're going to do this, like, why wouldn't you just basically animate the manga? Because that would have probably got me still watching it. Um, part of the thing is, like, when you watch the 90s anime, you're like, I love this show. I love it so much. Everything about it is great. Except the romance between Usagi and Mamoru is, like, a little weird. Because he's hella old and she's, like, 14. Um, and in the manga, he's 17 and she's 14. And you actually get to, like, see a romance build. And while I still don't think that's a great age gap because she's 14, uh, it is a lot better. And I was like, yes, in the new Sailor Moon Crystal, they will fully, like, get that shit done, and it will be beautiful, and no, they, like, skimmed over it again. I don't know uh, why. I mean, I guess, like, the, the rough part for me is that, like, from what I remember of Sailor Moon, like, that romance was never convincing to me, and I, like, didn't even, I didn't even recall the weird age gap at that point. Do you know what I mean? Which is, like, the two of them was always, like, it's like when you tell me that people are star-crossed lovers, but, like, I can't tell that they actually like each other. It was that situation for me all the way with that pairing. So that does not surprise me, that they that's still the, have zero chemistry. Yeah, well, that's the problem in the anime, right? Did you read the manga at all? No, I've never even seen the manga. Yeah, so in the manga, like, it's it's much... I'm not going to say it's super well-developed, but it is a lot better. All right. Also, like, if they had just decided to do Sailor V, the anime, I would have watched the shit out of that. Well, unless they animated it just as badly as Sailor Moon is. Yeah, you know what, you're right. <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of Sailor Moon reboots, and a bunch of them are really good in their own way, and instead Sailor Moon Crystal is a letdown. I'm like, maybe this was your time to do something a little different, and Sailor V is a great story that I think a lot of people would love to watch. Yeah. Or just throw right. more money at the people who make Nozaki Kun. Just yeah, just make, make more Nozaki. <laughs> That's all I really want is more Nozaki. It's so well, you don't get more Nozaki, MK and Paul. You know what you get instead? Sailor Moon Crystal? No, we get to talk about... Oh, Naruto! Naruto. Get to talk about Naruto. Now, part of the reason we really wanted to do this episode, and part of the reason we wanted Paul here as well, and um, the Hoyden, is because... Unbelievably, I thought that this would never end, and I mean that not in a positive way. Naruto ended. Yeah. Yeah. I would have almost thought that, like, either it would never end, or it would have ended at least five years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those, it's like one of those where you're like, oh, that person's still alive? Like, aren't they 170 now? Like, well, he's not writing it anymore, is he? Doesn't he just, like, say stuff and then somebody else draws it now? 
Oh, I'm sure. Like, like at this point, there's no way. But, like, at the same time, I was like, I thought that Naruto had ended, like, maybe twice already. But it apparently just ended, but not really either. So the the great thing about this, dear listeners, is that because all of us are quitters, we gave up on the Naruto manga, like, years ago out of self-preservation. For me, I probably gave up, I don't know. Five years ago? Five or six years ago? You made it yeah. a lot further than me. I didn't actually read the manga, but I did watch a lot of the anime, and I think I gave up... Oh, goodness. Like, episode 150 or something, which, frankly, was, like, already two seasons of filler, and I just couldn't anymore. I was like, no! No, I'm done. can't. Paul, um, where did you get? It was something horrifying. No, no, I actually only made it about halfway through the manga, like, 350, and then because I knew we were doing this, I actually quickly read some of the ending uh, in the very little free time I have, just so I could be like, wow, that made no sense. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, and so, so to prep all of us for this, um, I sent around basically a summary article of the end of Naruto. And, like, guys, I really wish we had been recording, like, the noises that were being made. What you don't know is that I did record some of that. (laughs) We should cut it in right here. Because I do not think that anything could better demonstrate the reaction that people who, like, genuinely love the concept and characters of Naruto are having to this ending. Because, like, at its heart, like, Naruto is, A, about... Magic ninjas, okay, so that's great. Like, oh my God, magic ninjas. I mean, they are. They're ninjas who do magic, okay? It's amazing yeah. as a concept. Yeah. And the other part is that when Naruto is really on its game, when Naruto's like absolutely like on the top of its game, I'm talking like episode 22, where um, both of the oh gosh, I can't remember their names anymore. This is terrible. Um, we, we know what you mean. It's like you know, uh, giant gay thug ninja and, like, yes. tiny twink fey ninja, and then they die in each other's arms episodes. Yes, they oh. both eat it, and you're just like, I am pretty sure that if I was not with you, I was maybe with another one of our friends who may have actually introduced both of us to Naruto. I can't even remember anymore, but the point we is... We need to figure out who that person is so we can, like, fight them for <laughs> doing us, by the way. Continue. Um, anyway, just, like, sobbing. Just, like, terrible sobbing. Because, like, when Naruto is good, it just, like, hits you, like, right in the heart. Like, Magic Ninja Heart Punch, right there. That's what happened. And, uh, yeah, no. So, like, there, there's so much to love about Nardo when it's really, really good. So that when things like the ending happen to you, or when you were just reading an article that summarizes it, you make dying cow noises, because <laughs> what else are you going to do? Okay, I think we need to do a brief overview of what Naruto is about, which is, like, Paul's strength right here. We had this conversation the other night, and it was amazing. So, here's a point that I tried to make. Naruto is not actually about ninjas. Naruto is about superheroes. Because think about how these people actually behave. They have a power. And they have a specific thing that they do. It's like, I manipulate shadows. I throw this thing really hard. It's like, you have people who have super strength, you have people who basically have eye blasts, and no matter what other stuff they do, all of their thing revolves around that. They aren't ninjas, they're superheroes. 
which gives it part of its, you know, mythological aspect. Like, we relate well to superheroes, and we know what to expect out of them. The reason that Naruto makes no sense, and admittedly, I was basing this off of, like, half the information. Now that I've seen the actual ending, I'm like, wow, that made even less sense, is this. Does everyone know about Akatsuki and, like, their plan? You're gonna have to tell it. Okay. I think, I think, Paul, you need to, like, first of all, explain, like, the general conceit of Naruto, and then you can tell us about Akatsuki and his plan. Okay, so basically, it's a village, a hidden village, populated by ninjas, and they were attacked by a giant nine-tailed fox demon, like, several years ago, and the super ninja leader of their ninja village manages to seal that demon inside an orphan child but only after it has murdered, like, a lot of people. And instead of being like, oh, good thing that this child can, like, bear this burden for us, everybody hates him. They just hate him so much, he never gets parents. He's like, I don't know how he's not homeless. He's terrible at everything because everyone treats him like shit, whatever. But obviously he has super secret nine-tailed fox demon power inside of him, which lets him become the best ninja. Yeah, and even during the worst of his days as a social outcast, his big thing was that he was going to become the Hokage, yes. which is basically, like, the leader of the Hidden Village, like, the eldest, wisest, most powerful ninja, and when he's, like, up there drawing dicks on, like, their version of Mount Rushmore, it's, like, real hard to swallow that <laughs> in the intro yes. of the manga. And it's about him growing up and becoming an adult and learning how to, like, magic ninja better, which leads us into Paul's... Uh, I don't know. You get to break that one down. Okay. So, Naruto's about a lot of things, and you could easily argue that it's primarily about relationships. But, if you're gonna get into, like, why are all these people doing things which develop these relationships, there is this. There's an organization of bad guys. They are Akatsuki. And their thing is, is that they are going to... Okay. Need to rewind a little, actually. There are multiple ninja villages, and each country within this world has its own ninja village, and that is their military power. You don't have armies with guns, you have a ninja village. And all your relationships with the other countries are mediated by how strong your ninja village is. So, you need to understand the entire world's balance of power is based around this. But the ninja villages aren't actually in control of the countries. Like, they are like the military. They are within and work for, but they are not in control. And there's a lot of stuff in the manga about, like, being stronger or weaker or relationships or forming alliances or betrayals. But I think that gives you an idea about how this world is supposed to work. Akatsuki's plan is that they will form their own special ninja group of very, very powerful ninjas... They will help certain countries, they're going to release a bunch of chaos into the world, help certain countries against certain other countries, and at one point, after all the other ninja have pretty much been wiped out, they will just take over. They'll be the rulers of the world. It'll be great. This plan actually makes a certain kind of sense. If the villages are that well balanced, if you help one against the other, you can help them wipe another one out. Naruto's thing is, is he wants everyone to get along. So he's going to unite all the ninja villages. And that makes no sense. <laughs> it really doesn't, because these are opposing armies. If you get them all to cooperate with each other, 
You've removed their entire reason for existence. Uh, we need you to go fight those guys. We utterly refuse to do that. Fine, no food for you. Yeah, like, all of their food and supplies are brought in by the countries that, like, support these ninja villages. Like, what reason does a country have to support a military that isn't listening to them? Which is then if you get into the idea, well, all these ninja villages cooperate, since they are the entire military power, you've basically formed one giant kingdom with the military in control, which is how you end up with El Presidente for Life Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't actually happen, right? It kind of does. Not really, but if you read the ending. Uh, and then the thing which I find extra funny about this is like, oh, so then Shinobi would be in charge. And Shinobi shouldn't be in charge of anything. That's 100% accurate. Yeah. Like, okay, here's the thing. I already feel great about having abandoned Naruto where I did. Because I feel like the before we got into all of this whatever united the villages and stuff like where naruto was really good for me is like dressed up in the trappings of like feudal japan which is what's happening here like you have ninja who are in service to the daimyo who head up their country and then there's all this intrigue and i think for me like the episodes that really resonate are all of the um they have a an exam for uh for ninjas to pass in order to become better ninjas sure and all of the tension between the rival countries and like seeing who's going to come fight, like that's what was, was really great for me. And so this end part, I'm just like, ugh, what, what? No, especially if you cut in all the sad cow noises, like I'm sure you'll get exactly how I felt about all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Hoyden a hundred percent. Like what originally like very much similar to my thing about Mythbusters is I love when things that are magical realism are slightly otherworld. Hugh very closely still to um, reality. I think that, like, in science fiction fantasy, they call this um, slipstream. So, like, the idea that, like, this is recognizably the real world on some level because it shares either thematic or structural elements, but then the story itself or, like, components of the story itself are, like, fantastical, right? So I still have something to cling on to, but that there is some, you're introducing a little bit of, like, magic and intrigue into my life. So the whole idea of, like, magical shinobi which, are, which is the Japanese word for ninja, um, have, like, A, a schooling system. So when you first meet Naruto, he's, like, a little kid, and he's, like, failed to graduate, like, Shinobi Elementary School, like, four times. <laughs> like, he's a fucking idiot. Like, his one ninja trick. And I, like, the fact that we've talked about this huge structural, like, El Presidente Naruto thing without touching on his roots is amazing to me. <laughs> effective ninja trick is called... What is the sexy no jutsu? Sexy no jutsu. Sexy no jutsu. Like, not joking. That's what it's called. And it's literally like his ninja trick where he, like, does the sexy no jutsu and then he turns into a hot naked babe. And, like, the effect of the attack is that it just, like, causes every male who sees her to spew blood out of their nose, right? Like, because they're so overwhelmed with sudden arousal. Like, that is the, that is, like, the level of quality Naruto is at as a youth. Okay, but, but, can I just say, that's a similar level of quality to the current Hokage and to his later, like, ultimate sensei. Oh, no, agreed. Uh, Completely agreed. And that there's, like, a thread of perversion that is strong and, like, makes me happy. (laughs) But, like, 
it, it very much like is a is like a shonen like boys manga where like it has this like hilarious thread of like teehee etchy running through which I enjoy because I share a similar mind space to that but like it starts off as like a ridiculous story about magical ninja who has to like go to school and like eventually through like a series of craziness which introduces like me and the Hoyden's favorite character Iruka who is actually Naruto's teacher um he ends up being able to like pass out of ninja elementary school and go into like ninja middle and high school apprenticeship training where you meet like the other best character in Naruto (laughs) who's named Kakashi, who is like either the best or worst human on the planet. Like I really can't tell that dude is like a rock star though. I love him. And he is a horrible teacher and the most tremendously dangerous ninja ever. Um, And all he does is read porn and like be sad and keep, like, pet ninja dogs, and, um, they go on, like, shitty missions and stuff to, like, build up his experience, and he has, like, a frenemy for life in this kid named Sasuke, who is, like, the most emo child alive. Like, that dude would have, like, a Slipknot t-shirt on and, like, a dog collar chain if we had been in high school together. Uh, are you saying you would have put those on him, or that just would have been the way he was? No, I think that those would be choices that he made for himself. <laughs> okay. I'm not into dudes like that. <laughs> Thanks for that horrifying vision, Paul. Sasuke is a bad investment. Like, don't invest in Sasuke. And yet, no, so don't invest money. Want to. Don't invest feelings. So many want to. I know, but it's like this is a terrible. Like, don't just don't. Please don't. Yeah, like the. One of the interesting things about talking about Sasuke is that I feel like the the setup for Naruto bears a lot of similarity to, I would say, other maybe kind of classic young adult and, you know, series where the main character, main character is like, you know, like, you're like, basically you're like, so that's a lot of child abuse. Like that, like all this is, all this is real bad. But it's treated as completely, like, normal and not like it's fine. Like, it's demonstrably not fine. Like, these, you know, kids are suffering, definitely. But it sort of normalizes it kind of in the Harry Potter, you know, in the cupboard under the stairs kind of way. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's actually such a good analogy. I didn't even think about it, right? Like, in, in addition to the fact that, like, they go to Hogwarts and there's, like, this fucking forest filled with shit that wants to kill them. And, like, part of your punishment sometimes are to, like, go into this forest filled with things that want to kill you. Or, like, Dolores Umbridge and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And Naruto, very similarly, in order to go from... So there are different tiers of ninja. And when you start as a ninja, you're a genin, which is, like, basically baby, like, intro ninja. And then at an eventual point in your skill level and progression, you will take a test to become a chunin. And this test is a practical, where basically it's an all-out battle. And people die every year in the chunin exams. And then you can be a chunin forever, right? Like, Naruto's teacher is a chunin. Like, lots of ninja are chunin. And, like, if you are the right type of insane, you take another level and you become a jonin, which is, like, basically, like, lunatics and ambu who take, like, the highest level, the highest level dangerous ninja tests and have, like, the craziest ninja magic. And I think, like, a significant portion of early years Naruto is him being a genin, and then, like, there's a huge arc about the tune-in exams, which I remember loving. I loved that whole section. That, those exams, like, that was, I I think I watched, like, all 25 episodes of that arc in a weekend, and I was like, we can't stop. We have to keep going. Like, stopping was not an option. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, I, I think that's why, like, 
on some level, the ending of Naruto is such the ending in the way that like that series hit like late series um, shonen manga bloat very much the way that Bleach did, which don't worry, Hoyden, I'm making you talk about Bleach with me at some point. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, late series bloat with like so many characters, you keep you like there was no way to keep up with it. Uh, and so divorced from the original like heart of the series, it just makes like the ending all the more depressing. <laughs> Yeah, the Shonen Jump Bloat, I think, is the fact that we're calling it Shonen Jump Bloat, I think, speaks to what a problem it is. But I think initially, when a lot of the. So, Naruto and several other manga have, like, all run in this magazine called Shonen Jump. And they all have some commonalities in that they are aimed at young boys, allegedly. And um, many of them become extremely popular, and Naruto is one of these that just like blew up. I can tell you from experience when I was living in Japan that you could not actually go anywhere without tripping into Naruto or One Piece or any one of these Shonen Jump shows. Like they're omnipresent, just everywhere. And so, but one of the things that really I think is so appealing about maybe the the first or at least the bit of naruto that we that Prue and i watched and maybe mk i'm not really clear there but one of the things that was really appealing is that you get to see this world unfold and you get to see like the deepening complexities of this world that you know naruto himself is like oh like as he grows up he's like oh like there's all this thing things happening that you know i didn't necessarily know before and it gives like a real depth and texture to the world that's I think really appealing and it's sort of it, it hits that sweet spot where like you have all of these relationships with other characters but before you get to the extreme bloating where you're just like I can't keep track of this stuff anymore. One thing that's interesting in Naruto having reread some of it in preparation for today is it has a very Doctor Who aspect to it in that everyone feels the need to explain everything all the time. What just happened? Well, I've been spending the past two years developing this jutsu that does exactly what happened to you. Instead of, say, stabbing you right now, I'm going to tell you about it. Yep. Yep, that happens a lot. I will say, you guys are talking about, like, a lot of stuff that I've never seen. And now I'm like, I clearly did not make it very far into Naruto at all. I remember, like, relatively early days of Gara, the, like, sand ninja dude. And I was just like, ah! When is Sasuke coming back? Like, when is he going to be good? And I just stopped reading it. Apparently the answer to your question, which segues nicely into, like, the latter bit of this discussion on when is Sasuke going to be back and when is Sasuke going to be good, was, like, a blue ball situation that Kishimoto managed to, like, cling <laughs> onto until, like, the very fucking end where he turned it into a ruined orgasm. What the fuck? <laughs> Literally, it's been, like, at least ten years of my life, and every two years I'd be like, hey, is Sasuke back yet? And people would be like, no. <laughs> and I'd be like, alright, well, I'll check back in when Sasuke is back. And it's been till now. Okay, so I'm gonna give, like, a really super quick recap on the Sasuke situation, and then we need to talk about, like, this ending. And Paul, like, just brace yourself to, like, give your thesis on this. Okay, so Sasuke is, like, the ch- we meet him from the very, very beginning. He's one of the earliest characters we know. He is the only surviving member of his family because they come from like a very noble and powerful line of ninja that have lived in Konoha, which is like the the hidden village's name um, for years and years and years. They're very wealthy and like 
like I said, very powerful ninja. And then his like older brother, Itachi, like essentially went like either bonkers or whatever. They're not really sure. And um, killed everyone in the family (laughs) except for him in front of Sasuke. So, you know, that ruins a child a bit. And so Sasuke basically is going through his life with the singular mission. Like literally his only mission is to become a mega badass ninja so he can go find his brother and kill him. And for obvious reasons, like with this level of emotional heft and duty on him, he doesn't get along well with Naruto, who like he calls Adobe, which either means like dog poop or like poop, like something like that as his nickname for like uh, so long. And of course, the two of them end up on a team together for their post ninja elementary school training with like worst pervert teacher ever, um, along with a girl named Sakura, who has a horrifying crush on Sasuke. Like, she would definitely put the dog collar and the Slipknot t-shirt on him had she been in an American (laughs) high school with the kid. Uh, And the three of them have, like, marvelous adventures, and each of them becomes, like, an extraordinarily powerful ninja in their own right and with their own special skill set. Except for the fact that Sasuke, somewhere in the middle of that, goes a little bit sideways and ends up joining the bad ninjas, uh, like, which is where his brother works. Like, I hate that whole thing. And like, I used to jokingly refer to like Sasuke and Naruto's like sort of like Sasuke's like, fuck this village. I'm going to like go kill everything. Fight. Um, the like worst breakup in the history of time. And I like really like MK would check in every couple of years and be like, is he back yet? Is he back yet? No, all right. One, it just... Paul, help me. Help me. Please explain this ending. <laughs> okay, there are a few things I'd like to throw in there, though, just before I get to this ending. One, Sasuke is also, like, the best ninja in the village, and everyone's like, he's the best! He's the best! And Naruto's like, someone please talk to me at all. And he's on the team with this guy who's like, everyone's like, he's the best! And there's Naruto like, I fucking hate you. I hate everything about you. That's Why? true, yes. Why are you like this? <laughs> and then, on top of that, the girl that Naruto likes is Sakura, who's just like, Oh my god, Sasuke, I'll do anything. I mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some additional tension in the group. That's very true. A little bit. Classic, classic shonen manga. Also, as far as these relationships go... There is something that I do love. I'm sorry to keep delaying this whole bit about the ending. Where (laughs) people keep going to Naruto like, why do you want him back? You were friends for like a few months when you were ten. Yeah, but Carl, like, you never forget your first kiss. True. That is the only lips on lips kiss I actually remember in the series between those two very early on. We're not joking. <laughs> We're not joking. That's a thing that happened. It was great. Why do you think everybody shipped Naruto and Sasuke? Well, it's not just that. Whenever they ask him, and this is like a running thing, it's like, he was the first person to truly see me as I actually am and to accept me. And I'm just like, I'm not sure what this series thinks it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little bit gay. <laughs> Just a tad. So, like, the, the theme of acceptance, though, like, is, it, that is the Naruto theme. Like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, the, because, like, again, we start with horrifying, normalized child abuse, and then the theme is actually acceptance and, you know, building relationships. Yeah. So, so 
the ending. Yes. Um, you, you all read the general description of the ending, but you didn't get the bit which just for me was like, I don't know how this happened, or why this happened, or where in someone's head this made sense. But here we go! Naruto and Sasuke have just finished beating up basically evil god. Um, I didn't read enough to really figure out how all of this happened. You guys can try to find it for yourself. But they are fighting basically evil, evil god of all ninja, super chakra, I don't know what the hell's going on. And they win! They win, and that's great. And Naruto's like, yes! Everything's finally fixed! Like, we can go back to the village, everything's fine! Which is when Sasuke turns around and goes, we're the two most powerful ninja in existence? Yeah. So if I kill you, I'll be the most powerful ninja in existence? Yeah. Great! I'm gonna do that and become Satan! What? Why? Why do you want to be Satan? Because that way... Satan? Is that a thing? Um, kind of. He's going to become the big bad that everyone wants to fight. Because that way they won't fight each other. There will be no more war if everyone's just focused on him. I think... I I have to say that as you were first telling us this, I had, like, a keen moment of, like, I know what that plot point feels like. It's, like, (laughs) two in the morning, like, the day before your deadline for a piece of freelance work. You have to hit a certain word count, and, like, you're so crazy, and you're making those eyes, and you're like, let's just do it. Let's Let's make it happen. It makes total sense if you think about it long enough. That must be That must have been what happened, because, like, even Naruto, who is not that bright, this series has established this, is like, wow, that's a lot of crazy. This is a terrible idea! If Naruto's telling you something's a terrible idea, it's a really bad idea. Yeah. But I'm also pretty sure Sasuke hasn't really thought this through, because, like, is he gonna be a bad big enough for the entire world to be united against forever without killing anyone? Because otherwise, he's basically going to be the eternal mass murderer of world peace. I mean... That is his plan. You can't hate someone for having ambition. (laughs) (laughs) And then they fight until the combination of ultraviolence and Naruto's purity of vision overwhelms Sasuke, and he's like, you're right, let's just be friends. Except he even throws in a, I could change my mind at some future date, though. Just in case I don't know, they decide to start this series up again? I honestly don't know. Oh, and then he's just magically forgiven. For everything yeah. he's done. The article we read did point out, like, what are you what are you gonna make Sasuke do to apologize? Because the only person stronger than him, and we don't even know if he's stronger than him, is Naruto. So it's like, how are you gonna enforce any punishment? Just be like, he says he's sorry, let's let him back in the village. Because otherwise he would kill us all. <laughs> That's that's what happened. Yeah. The important thing, I think, to realize is that Naruto got his first love to come back to the village with him so that they could, like, grow old together as besties. And then apparently... And then apparently marry, like, ladies that, like, they probably shouldn't marry. Like, those ladies can do so much better. 
Okay, could you you imagine being a lady in that world, though? It's like, here are your options. Wow, you're all really stupid. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I've thought about this extensively, and I'm pretty sure that if I was uh, a lady in that world, my goal would be to be, um... Hokage? What's her name? I forget her name. Sue something? Wait, Tsunade? Sakura's teacher? Yes. Yes. So I could be drunk and, like, have hella titties and, like, hit people a lot. And that would be, like, the extent of my interactions with, like, my coworkers and my people because, holy shit. Uh, Everyone an idiot. Paul would like to point out that you do have hella titties. (laughs) So there's really nothing holding I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there. Yeah. So close to the dream. But I think the other reason that we were making dying cow noises as we were reading this, like, finale recap is, like, there were some choices made to wrap up the series, which, like, felt a lot like the way people feel about the Harry Potter epilogue. Yeah. Where it's like, why would you do this to us? Because you could, like, legitimately speaking, I, I would prefer, I would almost prefer... Because after the ultimate fight between Naruto and Sasuke, the other thing is they both lose, a, like, part of their arm. Good job. Um, oh, they regrow it. That's so gross. Um, so, I, like, I would almost wish that they had just ended the series with the two of them, like, staggering back into the gates of Kanaha, like, as tentative friends again to, like, rebuild their relationship and to, like, build up to Kanaha. Because that way you have... You, you leave a semi-open canon with a closed happy ending, right? So yeah. that, like, you get the ultimate thing that you've, like, literally blue-balled me on for 700 chapters of this fucking manga. And uh, and then the rest of it, like, everyone else can fill in their own particular wants and needs, right? Instead, he made this epilogue that, like, Naruto marries a girl named Hinata, who, like, who she, like, demonstrably knows better than to, like, go there and, like, do that. And they, like, do sex enough that they have children, and she lets him name their child Bolt, which is underlining the point that you should not have bred with him. And then the other one that is, like, more horrifying, I think, is that Sasuke and Sakura get together. Like, on what universe is that okay? I just... I just, I can't, I really can't. Like that's the one that like kills me. Right. Because the implication is that they get together and they have kids, but he's like, not even there. He's like out wandering the earth because he may become evil at any time. Like what the fuck? It's in a weird way, actually worse than you think. Yeah. No, no, because there's a bit right before that where after not having seen him, for years, and he suddenly turns evil again for, as I think I've explained, no actual reason. She once again is like, I love you so much, even though I don't know who you are right now, and you're really evil, and you've done all this horrible, horrible stuff, because I had a crush on you when I was ten, I'll do anything for your love! Like, it's such horseshit. And he's like, God, you're annoying. And then apparently he was like, I bet she'd do some kinky shit if she's that into me. And they had a baby. That is like the worst. Because like, 
Okay, I understand that a lot of people did not like Sakura at the beginning of the series. Like, I like Sakura because I could, like, I got her. Like, I really understood her. Um, and throughout the series, though, like, she had done a lot of really cool stuff. She's, like, a really badass ninja now. And, like, just suddenly have her revert, like, this intensely is, like, horrifying. Also, MK, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> children is like the best part of that ending but like who i don't know children with rock lee we don't know if he can like self-reproduce like what if he just like someone said when i was tweeting about this like when i was reading the spoilers and tweeting about this i was like rock lee reproduced and someone was like maybe he just like budded and like a plant (laughs) it's the only thing that makes sense if you really think about it also he might have just found someone who idolizes him the way he idolized Guy, because he looks a lot like Guy, who's not his dad, and then this kid looks a lot like him. Maybe he just has the same haircut. Yeah, that's true. I always found it weird that, like, he and Guy looked so much alike, but were apparently unrelated, other than the fact that there's a small ninja gene pool in Hidden Leaf Village. Actually, do we ever meet Brock's parents? I don't remember ever seeing them. No, maybe he was just a bud off of Guy. Oh my yeah, God. you know what? I think we've discovered it. It's like asexual budding reproduction. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure... Wait, I don't know if this is actual or not actual, but... No, I think this is this is canon, that um, he is yet another, like, orphaned, like, child who, like, lives with, like, his, like, uncle or something like that. So he's also... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. There are a lot of orphans ever since the nine-tailed fox attacked. Oh, which reminds me. Paul and I had a really great idea for how they could have fixed Naruto by making it a totally different show. <laughs> so, okay, that's a great sentence. Please continue. So one of Naruto's, like, best powers is because he's full of all this, like, nine-tailed fox demon energy. He has way more energy than anybody else. And other ninja can, like, do the thing where they make, like, a shadow clone of themselves. It looks like them, and it looks real, but when it throws a punch, it just, like, poof, disappears. But Ninja, or sorry, Naruto, can make, like, a jillion of those, and they're actually concrete. They can actually, like, touch things or hit people or do their own jujitsu. And doesn't he, like, use all of them to learn something that would take, like, a lifetime, and he does it in, like, ten years? Oh, in less than ten years. He does it in, like, a a couple weeks. A couple weeks. So, like, he can use them to learn anything. And you're like, what if, what if... Naruto the show is actually about Naruto every week learning a different skill by, like, cloning himself into all of those little ninja clones and then using it to be the best at something. Like, this week, Naruto is the master painter. 
Next week, Naruto is the best at flower arranging. The week after that, it is a cooking competition. And he will outdo you at everything because he can learn a lifetime worth of that skill really, really fast. See, I would be into that as, like, omakes for the manga. But, like... No, they could be like, why don't you use your ninja powers to save the village? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is a swimming contest in town this week. I really need to win. I have to go, like, I have to go participate in the free season two <laughs> yeah. swimming contest. Yeah. And every week would just be, like, Naruto and a different skill. Also, as you pointed out when I was like, what happens if they make peace? You're like, they could resolve things through a dance-off. Yeah. Just like in, um... Long Live the Queen, one of my new favorite video games, where literally you learn dumb skills and you can use them to save your country. I saved my country, staved off an assassination attempt, got this guy to stop committing war atrocities by singing and talking to him about my feelings. God, I really hope that children aren't playing these games and thinking that's how we're actually going to solve the world's problems. Okay, I think that we've, like, exhausted this topic. So I wanted to give those of us who had recommendations an opportunity to do recommendations before we move on to the Naruto questions. So, MK, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, The Hoyden is going to kill me because I know that we, a long time ago, made a deal to not wreck each other on the podcast. However, I only have five Naruto bookmarks, and most of them are by her. So I'm going to recommend In Bond and Blood by the Hoyden. Which is a story where Kakashi decides that he wants to make Naruto his heir. Great. Naruto would be, like, an ideal heir candidate for him because he can learn all those great skills that Kakashi needs to pass down. Except Irika has already made Naruto his heir. And Kakashi is like, solution, Irika, marry me. That's the whole story. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. As I said before we started recording, you cannot blame a man for being efficient. Please stop using that word. It's so efficient. The Hoyden, do you have any recs? I do. I have one, um, but it's called Remnants of Solitude by Pax Nirvana. And um, this was written ooh, fairly early on in, uh, actually, in my interaction with Naruto fandom at all. And I want to actually, like, preface this for a second. So the pairing that the three of us, uh, minus Paul, I don't know what you do, Paul, but uh, the three of us, I think, have read pretty strongly in this fandom is um, basically Naruto's elementary school teacher and then his later teacher for interning-type purposes. And basically, in the actual canon, they have very limited interaction. And that in no way stopped Japanese fandom from making that, like, an enormous pairing. Like, just... No, that just, was, like, a challenge-accepted moment for all of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. like, it was semi on par with, I think, uh, Phantom Menace, where they're like, nope, he's not dead. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, this is from, from fairly early on, but what I love about it is that um, it is a pretty interesting like I think the things I love most about Naruto is like you had this fantastical universe and then I love like these sort of like mundane examinations of this world so like this one is about Kakashi basically uh on medical leave because he has hella fucked himself up and so he just like for a while he cannot use any magical ninja powers like he just has to like lie there quietly and it's making him very slowly, completely crazy. 
and uh, it's just it's a it's a I really love it, and uh, I think you should read it. Good. Okay, so unless Paul, Paul, do you have anything you want to wreck? Nope. The one piece of fanfic I read, I don't even remember the name of, but it basically got very deep into all the sex acts you could get into with ninja powers, and that's when I quit out. <laughs> <laughs> that's when fandom got in. True, <laughs> I think it's your turn. I feel, how did you manage that? I feel like even if you, like, closed your eyes and clicked on a Naruto fanfic randomly, it went, wow, that's like a magic power you have there, Paul. Okay. <laughs> um, so I actually had a really hard time picking recommendations for this episode because I have quite a number of Naruto fics um, tagged. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's for people who are used to Western fandoms, the fanfic feels different like there's a different sort of like quality benchmark there are like different trope expectations so if you've never really read anime fanfic before um i wanted to try and identify stuff that would be like palpable like palatable to like anyone regardless of whether or not you had any background right in this particular sort of canon so i picked a couple of things that i personally really like um and i have like a number of recommendations so the first one is called recommended for admission by pentapus who in addition to being an excellent writer is a great artist as well she does like really really lovely fan art um and it's a really really interesting alternate universe of basically you know it, the youth i guess of iruka and kakashi um and how they meet each other and what their backgrounds are. And it's, I'm selling this really poorly, but it gets really deep into the guts of sort of like the ninja politics and the ninja secret police. And the background that you need to know on Aruka about this is that as a kid, after he was orphaned by the nine tailed Fox, he was very much like Naruto. He was just like a hot garbage mess and basically was reviled throughout the village because his way of trying to get attention after his family had died was pulling pranks on everybody. So this story starts off with a premise that Iruka feels like his entire career has been more or less stymied because he pulled a bad prank a long time ago, and he thinks that there's like a black mark in his folder, and that is not what it is at all. It is so interesting and really, really good. I think that everyone should check it out. Um, another story I'm going to recommend is called Animal Crackers. It's also by Pentapus, but co-written with um, Torch, who you guys may remember yes. from other like mega fandoms. Uh, the summary that they give is probably the best one that I could give to you guys. It says, uh, Iruka's quiet summer is suddenly full of children, animals, undead animals, summoned animals, <laughs> traps, missions, dongo, and really annoying Jonin. So basically, this is a story where Iruka is trying to, because he teaches basically elementary school kids, like really young kids. He's out in the forest trying to teach a bunch of kids some basic ninja skills, and everything goes horribly wrong. Um, and it's really funny and really good. Uh, both of these stories share very clean writing, as well as like really interesting plot and world building about the things that ninja actually do. So I recommend those as really fun and interesting to read. And both of those are Kakashi Iruka stories. Um, and then there is one more that I'm recommending because it is absurd and I want to recommend it and I don't care. 
It is called Fair Play by Pirate Burn. And this is, like, much more indicative of, like, standard anime trope fanfic. And I don't care, and I love it. And it's on fanfiction.net. It's a story where, like, after a night of, like, hot boning, um, Iruka's, like, super late or whatever and forgets his hair tie. So he's, like, running around the ninja village because he has, like, longish hair. He's running around the ninja village with all of his, like, glorious locks flowing. And suddenly the entire village finds themselves, like, like hot to trot for his ass. And it is basically just a story of Kakashi going around, like, trying to murder everyone for looking at his boyfriend. And, like, sometimes when it's really cold outside and your week has been terrible, all you really want is Kakashi going around threatening to murder everyone for looking at his boyfriend. And I stand by that. It- <laughs> I support you in these endeavors. <laughs> yeah. The end. Those are my recommendations. Um, and I think that leads us nicely into the question and answer segment. So, MK, do you want to cue those up? So, the first Nar- Naruto question is from Helen Norvana, who said, How far in advance did you see the Namikaze Minato as Naruto's father reveal coming, and what was your favorite music piece from Naruto Shippuden? Uh, did any of us actually watch Naruto Shippuden? Yeah. I watched, like, maybe five episodes of it. Do you guys I have favorite music? I love it. I don't remember a specific music piece. Sorry. That's okay. Prue? Yeah, no, I think that we all fail on that front. I, like, don't call the music from it at all. I feel like I just felt really, like, emotionally dead. Because, like, Shippuden came after, like, the first run of the anime ended. And I had, like, really felt some sort of, like, genuine, genuine ecstatic bliss from the lack of pain that was, like, no longer having to keep up with Naruto. And then they did Shippuden, and I just, like, a piece of me died all over again. Good. Yeah. So I just, like, don't really recall the music from it. But I would yep. say it's the dad thing. I don't know. That's was the, it the first time you showed him? That's the Hokage before What's-Her-Face, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. No. Hokage before the before Hokage that. that we meet in the first, um, in the very first episodes. No, 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 no. no. So there's the, the third Hokage is the old dude that we meet in the first series. The fourth yeah. is Naruto's dad. Yeah. And the fifth is Tsunade. Oh, I don't even think oh, I remember right. the I forgot that he yeah. goes... Eats it sometime after the Nine-Tailed Fox attacks. I don't know. I forget. Yeah, something like that. I think that, like, I probably suspected because other, like, it made sense, right? Like, as soon as they showed the fourth and as soon as they showed, like, the fourth holding the baby, you would sit there and think, like, if he's actually as heroic a character as everyone makes the fourth out to be, like, he would never inflict this on someone else you know mm. like it, it was terrible that he did it to his own child but like how could he do it to any like how could he do it to someone else if he couldn't do it to his own child yeah okay um beach psalms wants to know kakashi why is he so appealing tag not it hoyden you answer this one <laughs> um, uh i will actually go with um like let's put appealing aside no hold on i have to like I separate this question out. First of all, Kakashi is interesting because he is sort of, like, the mysterious, like, figure where, like, you think you know him, but, like, of course he has, like, all this buried backstory about his fan pain and uh, whatever. Um, but the other way that he's appealing is because he is voiced by a voice actor who is maybe, maybe my one true love, like, in a voice actor kind of way. And uh, the other interesting part about this, in case you wanted to know about old time history, is that Inoue Katsuhiko also voiced a lot of boys' love drama CDs. That's where I know him from. That is where you know him from. Also, you have definitely told heard him tell a twink to drink it. That is what I say about that guy. Uh, Basically, yes. 
And uh, <laughs> Paul's face right remember, now. I remember trying to download drama CDs over IRC, and it was like killing me because it took forever, and you would never get a complete file. It was the worst. Uh, the end. All right. That cannot be the only reason that Kakashi is appealing to you. Here's the thing that I think explains some of Kakashi's appeal. He's aloof. He's very skilled. Like, let's face it, he's one of the few people where you're like, oh my god, there's a brain in there. Uh, He's mysterious, and on top of that, you don't actually know what he looks like, so whatever you find appealing, he could look like. He's wearing that mask all the time. I'll also say... I think the thing is really, like, the, the preservation of mystery about Kakashi is that, like, every little tidbit you get about him, you're like, oh, and, like, you're really excited about it, but you, like, they still really hold, like, a lot of things back. So you're like, oh, he wanders around the village apparently reading romance novels, which is fine. Um, but it's a really generous way to describe what he's reading. Romance novels. They're basically Apparently he reads them for the plot. This is something that the manga actually talks about, just to hurt me. I do remember Uh, that. They're very clear about him being like, I need to know what happens next. Like, that's his focus. In case you guys have never figured this out, like, the translation. So the series that he reads is called Icha Icha, and there's, like, a different word at the end of all of these, like, erotic novels. But I'm not wrong, right? Icha Icha is, like, a sex sound that people make. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Just verifying. You might as well call it, like, Sexy, Sexy Paradise, right? Like, I think that's literally one of the books that he reads in the series. But it's somehow endearing. Yes. Yes. Okay, next. Anon. What the fuck? I cannot believe Naruto ended up with Hinata and Sasuke with Sakura? After how terribly Sasuke treated Sakura and how Hinata was basically ignored even after confession. And we spend the entire show on Naruto and Sasuke's tragic love-hate affair, like, what even? Or even Gara and Naruto? How can an ostensibly straight man be so terrible at writing romances and yet unintentionally write the most homoromantic manly bonds? I do not get it. And not because shame. Don't be ashamed. You're correct. It's the, it's the whole, like, it's the whole homosocial, like, thing about action movies, right? Like, and it was never sent up better than in Hot Fuzz, where... These are ostensibly, like, hyper-masculine guys, and, like, they're so over, like, they're so over the top in their hyper-masculinity, which, like, somehow to them precludes homosexuality, that it it's supposed to be like, oh, well, like, we're so busy, like, fucking shit up with magic ninja skills that uh, it means that we could never, like, love one another in a tender and deep way. <laughs> so I think that, like, whoever, like, Kishimoto, like, didn't even consider that. Either that or he's just, like, the meanest troll alive. Yes. Maybe. Or maybe if just genuinely in your series you just like the only relationships that actually matter are the relationships between men in the series, then that's what's going to happen. And then you have these cardboard cutout characters at the end and you're like, oh, yep, definitely going to marry Hinata. Like, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that as soon as like the women, so like from what I remember, the arc of Naruto being like, when Sasuke, or so not Sasuke, when Sakura is not a, like, romantically inclined, or, like, that is not the primary role that she serves in anything, she's interesting. Yeah, But right. then as Sasuke is there, you lose Sakura as an interesting, differentiated character again. Like, and I think that that's, like, yeah. a man for failing of Kishimoto. Like, he just doesn't seem to have the capacity to, like, run on both parallel tracks. Right. Because, like, the, the part about Shikuden that I loved is Sakura training with the then Hokage 
um, yeah. to be like, an awesome medical ninja. I was like, yeah, like, and also wickedly strong. I was just like, that was interesting to me. I was like, yes, keep doing this. And then Soxie would inevitably come back and be like, ugh, again. Yeah. yeah. Actually, bad news, after they make her kind of awesome, you barely see her again. Ah, good. Like, she, it's not that she's not good, it's that she's not present. Ugh. That's ugh. terrible. Yeah. But it's somehow unsurprising. Okay, next, from Ermelin P. If Gara and Rock Lee had a kid, would it get Lee's eyebrows? Oh no, I forgot to write the thing that is the thing. Oh shoot. <laughs> uh, you can do it now. I, I can't find it right now, but it is this long, beautiful fic between uh, Rockley and Gara, and I'm going to find it and so I can like, have you recommend it at the end, because it's amazing. So what was the question about them having kids? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Would they, which, whose eyebrows would this kid have? <laughs> I feel like the Rockley eyebrows are going to breathe strong. How I think. I I feel like Hoyden is unfortunately true. I feel like she's correct as long as we assume that Rockley is also capable of producing children, like, with another person as opposed to just butting one off. In that case, definitely the eyebrows. Right? In case of butting, you're getting those eyebrows 100%. I just... I think that we've really done something terrible here today, guys. <laughs> I, I feel really bad right now. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. I'm, like, Maybe really not. worried that when my friends start having children, I'm going to be like, oh my god, congrats, you've butted. <laughs> <laughs> if I can remember this, that is exactly what I'm going to say, except that I won't be anywhere near you. Okay, was that it? Are there any more questions? I'm just checking. I think we're good. I mean, like, I almost want to recommend, like, okay, so that Naruto is done now, guys. You're, like, free from your, like, stations of the cross in respect to this series. If there's a giant gaping wound in you where Naruto used to live, like, is there anything that we would recommend people pick up reading instead? I don't know. If you've spent that much time on Naruto, do you hate yourself? Like, (laughs) come on. Come on. (laughs) So, so So our answer to that is... Love yourself a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Go outside. See the trees. There's no reason to go outside. Fuck nature. Feel feel the sun on your skin before you turn into Gollum. (laughs) All right. I think we need to end on that note. Um, Guys, thank you for tuning in this week. Thanks, Paul, for coming onto the show and keeping it real. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, week, if you miss Slash Report, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report. You can find us on Tumblr at Slash Report at Tumblr.com or Slash Report.tumblr.com, even though we don't really post anything there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Often Imprudent, and you can find MK on Twitter at Moon Clutz. Um, and that wraps us up for this week. Bye, guys. See you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. some dignity yeah it's friction in the universe from you two coming together i think that's probably (laughs) true wait do you guys have secret names Yeah. yeah yeah